You're listening to the Grace Auburn Church Podcast. In this week's sermon, Lee Cadden preaches in week three of our sermon series, The Name Above All Names. Welcome to Grace Auburn, wherever it is that you may be coming from this morning or whatever is going on in your life, we come to worship a risen and reigning king. And so uh, we're also just in the throes of figuring out how to do church together here physically uh, while also starting a live stream at the same time. And so uh, there's a whole lot of things new uh, and uh, we're all in this together, uh, not the least of which is having all of our kids in here with us for the foreseeable future for as long as that's what's recommended uh, by officials above and beyond us. So uh, we'll continue to worship him because he hasn't changed regardless of pandemic or not or what's going on in our day. But before we jump into today's message, uh, I want to start just uh, by, by leading us in time of prayer uh, around Father's Day. So if you are a father, happy Father's Day. We're glad that you're here to worship with us today. But Father's Day comes with uh, a myriad of emotions regardless of what's going on in our life. We may be coming in uh, full of joy or we may be coming in to this morning full of pain and sadness, uh, absence, loss, uh, so many things. And so uh, if you guys will this morning, I want to lead us in a time of prayer, praying for the fathers in the room, uh, for all of us who are missing fathers, for all of us uh, who are still looking for fathers, uh, or wherever it is that you find yourself in relating to an earthly father and how he is our good and perfect father. So would you pray with me? Uh, for just a few minutes. God, you are a good, good father. And this morning, Lord, I pray your blessing on all of us who are dads, who are fathers, who bear an image uh, that is given by you to be a son, but then to be a father uh, in this life. Lord, we pray that you bless them and their families, that you'd give them the strength, the boldness, the courage, the conviction the gentleness, the kindness that is needed to love and lead our families. For the men in the room who have yet to become fathers and long to be that, Lord, we pray your blessing on them as well, that you would remind them that their identity is in you and, uh, and, and only in you. For those of us in the room who are missing fathers, whether they have gone on before us into the kingdom or they have gone on before us and are not, Lord, for the sense of loss and hurting that is there, Lord, we pray your blessing and your kindness and your grace in a, in a place where only you can comfort, in a place where only you can bind up and heal. For those of us with fathers who just weren't there, God, you always were. For a father who was on the road or was gone all the time or just totally walked out or whatever the case may be, God, you know all of those situations and you know exactly what it means to father all of us perfectly. And so God, on this Father's Day, we recognize that you are the only perfect father. You are the only one who's uh, always exceeded expectations, who's always gone above and beyond, who's always been there, who's always shown up, who's always bound up the brokenhearted because you are our perfect heavenly father. God, we worship you today in this place and we confess that, that we have come up short and that those we love have come up short. But God, you are leading and guiding and walking with us. And we thank you and we worship you for that. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for showing us the Father. We love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for that. Uh, my name is Lee Cadden, and I'm one of our pastors here on staff. 
And it's a joy to be in this sermon series with you. And I told somebody after the 9 a.m. that we could spend forever in the sermon series looking at the names of God. Because what we see in the names of God are the ways in which God chooses to reveal himself to us. There's so much about God that even on the other side of this life, we still won't know about him. But in this life, what we do get to know about God is how he's revealed himself. And he does that again and again and again through the names by which he calls himself. And so we started in week one looking at the name that is above all names from Philippians, as Jesus has described as being the Savior, the one whose name we are all saved by, as Luke puts it in Acts. Then last week, Hoffman led us into Elohim. What does it mean for God to be a creator? What does it mean to be a ruler? What does it mean for him to be different than all of the other Elohims that the people would have known in that day? How is he kind and gracious and generous and yet continuing to be ruler above, excuse me, above all, um, constantly uh, showing himself to be different other than? We talked about his character, his nature, his goodness, and his kindness. And we... Like all human beings, uh, we can't see him as he truly is, but we have the privilege and the kindness of God having been revealed to us in his word, in the form of the Bible that we have it now. And as we look at the names of God over the course of the rest of the summer, really all the way up until the fall, they're not all going to build on one another, but many of them will build off of today's name that we're going to be looking at. As I said a minute ago, Hoffman talked about Elohim, the fact that he is the creator God, he is the ruler, the one who is reigning. Uh, Hoffman used a phrase in describing him as abundantly generous. And I thought over and over and over again, man, that is so incredibly true about you, God. You are abundantly generous. You are extravagantly so, as John calls it in his letters. And in your kindness, you made us in your image. You didn't have to, but you chose to, and that's an incredible thing. You aren't a God that is dealing with your creation as if you have to, but you're a God who loves your creation because you long to and you delight to care for your people and to make yourself known. This morning, we're looking at the name in the Old Testament that God uses to reveal himself as over 6,500 times. It's the most used description of God. And in Hebrew, it would have been Yahweh, and it wouldn't have been spelled with the vowels. It would have been spelled originally with just the consonants as Y-H-W-H. And over time, the Hebrews, they put in the, and there's a whole lot here. So if you're a, if you're a Hebrew scholar, like forgive me for this 30,000 foot flyover as we talk about the name of God, Yahweh. And you could spend, as I said, the rest of your life trying to unpack the depth of Yahweh as God who has revealed himself to Moses originally as I am who I am. The Lord, the, the, the Bible captures this over and over again in various ways. And as you're reading scripture and as you're spending time in it, anytime you see Lord capitalized or God capitalized, this is the name of God that it's referring to, Yahweh. And that's the Hebrew version of our understanding that was originally Greek and then Romanized and now is uh, Jehovah as we understand it. Yahweh or Jehovah interchangeable. And we're going to use them interchangeably this morning as we think about this God who has revealed himself and who has said when Moses asked the question, he revealed himself in this way. Last week, Hoffman kind of kicked us into that story of Moses and really started us on a journey of uncovering who he is and how he has revealed himself to be. And he talked about how many people in that day would have been asking the question, what kind of Elohim is this? What kind of Elohim is this person who has created the heavens and the earth as we think about our identity being being found 
in him. And in Exodus chapter 3, I just want to reread this brief interaction with Moses and God at the burning bush. And he says this, Moses says to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, What's his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. I am who I always will be. I am who I have always been. God exists from before time, in current time, and will always exist as I am. What's your name, he says? I am is how he Responds. And so what I want to look at this morning as we talk about this name Yahweh or Jehovah as we know it in English is what are the attributes about God's name in this way or that he's revealed himself in this time to Moses and then eventually to Israel. And then when we read parts of the Old Testament before the Exodus, we see that there are glimpses of God having already revealed himself, maybe not in as explicit of a way, but as Moses records things that happened prior to the Exodus, we see God being revealed in this kind of knowable way. And so what does it say about God to have revealed himself as I am, as I have always been and always will be? And the first thing is that he is knowable, that he's personal, that he's not some far off God who created and then let the world figure it out on its own. Yes, he is holy. Yes, he is ruling. Yes, he is reigning and on his throne. But he is also known and Knowable, And as the Jews learned the name Yahweh, at some point it made a shift from reverence, respect, and love and awe to a legalism all of its own to a point where in their history the Jews got to a point where they wouldn't even say the name Yahweh. What they would do oftentimes is they would get to a sentence or as they were reading scriptures and they would say, so they're, like, they're saying it but not saying it. And it kind of became this thing where you could say things about God, but this his name was holy, other, and meant to be left out, not, not even spoken of by the people. And I believe that what they had missed is that this Elohim, this one who had created, this one who was ruling, this one who had revealed himself as known and knowable, they had then pushed away and distanced themselves so much from that they wouldn't even say his name. And they had missed the fact that from the very beginning, Yahweh, Jehovah, was with his people serving, loving, walking with, caring for, and sustaining, not just creating and saying, well, good luck, I hope you don't blow it. But he had always been with them, guiding and correcting, leading. And so if the first thing we learn about Yahweh as we look at his name is that he is known and knowable, the second is that he is constant and unchanging. When he says, I am who I am, you could translate that, I am as I've always been, or I will always be as I am. You could pull the tense around it in any way you want to because God never changes. In our home, you know, we have a seven, five, and three-year-old, and my five-year-old son, Amos, is, is constantly, well, truthfully, they all are now, and Rowan doesn't even know what she's talking about, but with birthdays, there's this constant conversation around birthday lists, and Christmas lists, and birthday lists are completely interchangeable, and I mean, their birthdays are in January, February, and April. We just did all this, and we're talking about Christmas and birthdays next year, but they're constantly making a list about what they want for Christmas and how this is going to be what they get, and I keep telling them, you don't understand how this works in terms of you get what you get, and you'll be happy with it, and don't put your fit kind of thing, and that's the way it works in our house, but Amos now, because he's constantly worried about birthdays and how old he is and how old Finley is, and well, how old is that kid, and I'm taller than them and bigger, this is constant menagerie of... 
birthdays and order of things. And so the question has now come up with Amos, hey, when's God's birthday? And we talk about Jesus and his birthday at Christmas and that sort of thing. He's, no, 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 when's God's birthday is the thing he wants to know. And we keep coming back, and it's this circular argument, which I don't, you, know, you guys have circular arguments with your kids all the time too, I'm sure, um, or circular conversations of, no, Amos, God has always been. He doesn't have a birthday. Nah, you're wrong. God's got a birthday. You may not know it, but God has a birthday, and I'm going to find out what it is, and we're going to have a birthday party because God needs to have a birthday party, and I'll write a list for him, and it'll be perfect because God wants a monster truck. But at the end of the day, we keep having this conversation about the fact that God has never changed, and he's always been. He's constant and unchanging. He doesn't have a birthday. And then the last thing as we learn about this revealed person of Yahweh or Jehovah is that he is the only self-existent and completely independent being who's ever been. We live in a day where we value and long for independence. As a people, we don't want anybody telling us how we're supposed to do A, B, or C because we are the ruler of our domain. We are the ones who are in charge of the things that are going on in our world, even if it's just inside of our home. But the reality is, is that Yahweh is the only being that has ever existed, ever will exist, that is completely independent, who has or wants for nothing from anyone else. He is completely independent and self-existent. He's constant and unchanging. He is the ruler and creator of the universe. And yet, wonderfully, miraculously, he is completely knowable. And he has revealed himself to be a God, not who sits far off, but who comes in and enters in to the mess. When God gives his name, Jehovah, to Moses, Moses encounters a God unlike any God he has ever known. And he reveals himself to be like a God that is like no other God who longs to be with and to guide his people Israel and eventually would be with and guide his people the church. But I have to stop and ask about the question in my own soul, and I'll ask it of you as we think through this God the, the, whose name is above all names and the person in life of his son Jesus, whose name was Jehovah, whose name was Yahweh. His, the question is simply this, do I want God as his word reveals him, or do I want God as I want him to be? Because most of the time, I want God as I want him to be, not as his word reveals him to be. So much of the Exodus story of God's being made known to Israel still serves us today. God is the same then in the desert as he is to us here and now. And God is as he says he is because he has always been as he says that he is. And Moses, when he asks to see the glory of God, he's hidden in the rock and God puts his hand over him as he passes by and gives him the privilege of seeing his back because he couldn't see his face or else he would die. We wonderfully, in our day, as we approach Yahweh, we wonderfully are given the privilege of seeing the face of him in his son. The writer of Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews 13, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He uses language that the Jews would have been all too familiar with of how Jehovah, how Yahweh was described. Jesus Christ is the face of Yahweh. He is him revealed exactly as he wants to be. Jesus of Nazareth, who lived among us, finishes the work and revelation of Yahweh. When Yahweh came to live, rule, reign, and guide his people, he knew full well, being completely independent and outside of time, that his son would fulfill the revelation and the work that he set out to in redeeming a people and bringing them home and walking them out of 
slavery, yes, to Egypt, but holy unto sin, freeing us from that which held us in bondage. John puts it this way in his gospel as he talks about um, this Jesus who has come into the world. He says this in John chapter 1, the word became flesh, the word being Jesus, and he dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. We have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. That he who, yeah, that he who came before me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. From the very beginning of his gospel, John is making it abundantly clear that the Son has come from the Father and he has now revealed him to us. That if we long to see the Father, we need only to look in the face of Jesus. The God you've heard of, Yahweh, Jehovah, the God you've known as he revealed himself, that who has never changed, that all has always existed, who created the heavens and the earth, this eternal one, he has come to live among you and he has sent his son, me, to rescue you to redeem you, to bring you home. And if that weren't just absolutely scandalous enough, as Hoffman touched on last week, Jesus takes the scandal even farther by talking about God in a way that the people of God had never heard at this point. They had never related to God the way that the Son is teaching them to relate to God. He calls him, yes, knowable, yes, creator, yes, Yahweh, yes, Elohim, yes, all of those things that he's revealed himself to be, but he is ultimately and always father. He is your father and mine father. Jesus blows open the gate, so to speak, on what it means for us to understand just how knowable and loving and kind and gracious and generous our Father in heaven is. And instead of not uttering his name, he calls him Daddy, Papa. And over the course of the years walking with his disciples, he would teach them how to relate and know this God as Jesus was revealing him in a way that they had never known, the way that they had never seen. And this is an incredible Invitation. It's an incredible command from Jesus to come and follow me. Let me teach you what it means to know Jehovah. Let me teach you what it means to see Elohim in creation and see him as your father. Because when you see me, when you see my works, when you see all that I am doing in this life, you see Yahweh. You see him as he is. Wonderfully, God has always been drawing his people in like this. God has always been showing up in completely weird and absurd ways and in completely normal and mundane ways. But with Moses in the wilderness, he shows up in a completely weird way, right? Here's this bush that's burning in the wilderness. And instead of going, bush on fire, it's not going away, and going on about his business, Moses takes a minute and it says something incredibly telling in Exodus chapter 3. It says, so Moses thought, I will go over... And see this strange sight. Why doesn't it burn up? In that moment, he's doing everything he's supposed to be doing by taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, living and working on this hillside. And here's this bush in this moment that's completely out of the ordinary and weird. And he sees it and he goes, I'm going to go over there. 
And in that moment, Moses chooses to turn aside from what he's been doing. He chooses to take his calendar and put it down. He puts his phone down and quits listening to the, to the roar that is the things coming. And he listens to God in a way that perhaps he never had. And he enters into this moment and God speaks to him. And Moses falls on his face, takes off his shoes and worships him because he is on holy ground. He gives Moses direction and then Moses proceeds to come up with a whole list of excuses. And honestly, I probably would have come up with far more. And he says, I'm not the guy. Like, I don't have what it takes. I've got this, I've got this. I'm not the person that's going to go and lead your people out of slavery. I am not. And Yahweh says, I know, I am. You're not. And I am. I am the one who's going to lead you. I am the one who's going to guide you. And in this moment, on that holy ground, Moses realizes that this God not only has created the heavens and the earth and can keep this bush from being burned up in this moment and even speak to me out of the fire. Not only are those things true, but here is a God who knows me. Here is a God that I can trust. Here is a God that is inviting me into the work that he is doing. And I wonder for us in the busyness of life, or as Tony Evans put it, in the tyranny of the tedious tasks, how often do we fail to turn aside? How often do we hear the voice of God? Do we sense his prompting? Do we know that he's calling us? Do we sense him guiding us to do a particular thing? And in our insecurities or fear, we shrink back and go, I'm not the guy. That's not me. I don't have what it takes. And God would say to you the same as he said to Moses, I know, but I am who I say I am. And I am and have always been. And I am a good God who you can trust. And I'm not some far off distant ruler Elohim. I am your Yahweh. I am the creator. I am the one who's gone before you. I am the one who has come down and entered in to this mess. Moses, don't you know, don't you know that in creating the heavens and the earth, I also created your mouth and I can do what I want with your mouth. And I can take all of your brokenness and I can take all of your imperfection and I can take all of your pain and I can take all of the things that you think are legitimate excuses and say, shh, I am. Follow me. If we go then further back into the story, back into Genesis 1, Hoffman talked about in Genesis 1, we see when it talks about God, we see the name Elohim over and over and over again throughout all of chapter 1. When we get into Genesis 2, Moses makes a shift here as he's recalling the goodness of God in creation. And over and over and over again, it says Jehovah. It says Yahweh Elohim. In chapter 2, these two words are put together. Not only is he ruler and creator, but he is also the known, knowable, constant, and unchanging, perfect and forever father who loves you and has entered into this mess. He is Yahweh Elohim. He has these two things together. He is knowable and known and yet completely other, ruling and reigning. He is a very and highly relatable God, and yet he is different than all of the other Elohims. And over and over again in Genesis 2, we see Jehovah, Yahweh Elohim as God, Yahweh Elohim forming, Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God caring for, the Lord God causing to grow, the Lord God putting man in the garden, the Lord God giving him a job, the Lord God making him a perfect companion, the Lord God giving them very clear and set boundaries. And then in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent shows up and he does something incredibly cunning and crafty when he talks about God. He pulls Yahweh out and says, did Elohim really say? Did that guy 
that ruler, the one who created all of this, did he really say those things? And in a moment of doubt and asking the question, he doubts the goodness of God and he brings into question their relationship, the knowable side of God. He completely pulls out of the accusation. And he talks about Elohim being this ruler, this creator of did, did, did Elohim, did that ruler, did that tyrant, did that dictator, which is how he sees him, right? Did he really say those things? And Eve at this point is completely lost and confused in this toilet bowl effect of his words. And he accuses in such a way of taking the knowable, known, kind, eternal lover of their souls. And he paints God as this incredibly distant, far off, maniacal ruler. John records it this way, talking about the work of the thief. He says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy as Jesus is teaching them about the difference between Satan and himself. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, God has forever been on a quest and on a mission to recover the souls of people who have believed that he is some far-off dictator. And here's the sad reality. Most days, that's where I want him. Most days in my sin, I want God out there doing his thing and I'm going to check all the boxes and perform in a certain way that makes sure that I stay in his good graces so that I can pat myself on the back or hope that one of you will or my wife will or my kids will or whatever the case is. But most days, I want him over there not in my mess, even if I created it. Like, I want to fix it. I've got this. And I believe most of the time that's how we relate to him apart from Jesus saying, hey, he's not just out there. He's here. He's in this. He came for you. He died for you that you might know Yahweh Elohim. That yes, he is ruler, holy, other, and his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and there are things about the things that go on in this life that he does that I don't get to explain or understand but yet at the same time he is knowable. He has revealed himself to us. And when Jesus shows up in John chapter one and it talks about how we have seen the glory of the Father and we have seen his face, we have this incredible picture of Jesus coming to finish the revelation and work of Yahweh that we might come home, that we might know him as he has known him, that Yahweh Elohim is his father, my father, and your father. And all who believe might know that Yahweh Elohim, that Jehovah Elohim is a good and trustworthy God. That's what Jesus came to accomplish, to bring, to redeem, to, to take us home. Eugene Peterson uh, is a mentor of mine that I never got to meet. He spent so much of his life writing in such a way that revealed the heart of the Father to the people. And he puts John chapter 1 this way as he describes him. This is the same text that I read a minute ago from John chapter 1, starting in verse 14. He says, The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, that one-of-a-kind glory like Father, like Son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish, John pointed him out and called, this is the one, the one I told you was coming after me, but in fact was ahead of me. He has always been ahead of me. He has always had the first word. We all live off of his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses. And then this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding, all this came through Jesus, 
the Messiah. No one has ever seen God, not so much a glimpse. This one-of-a-kind God expression who exists at the very heart of the Father has made him plain as day. Jesus shows up to make the face of the Father as plain as day. And he moved into your neighborhood and my neighborhood and into your life because he is from Yahweh who is known and knowable and loving and kind. Later in the Gospels, Philip asked Jesus, Lord, would you show us the Father? And that would be enough for us. Like we, we know that you're from the Father, but if you would just show us the Father, that would be enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? My prayer for me and for you and for us as we walk away from here today is that we would see the face of Jesus in and through the Gospels and by the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we would say, I've seen the Father. How could I ever want you to live way out there and not have you live here with me? How could I ever say I love you but live this way? How could I ever, ever, ever walk away from you because I have seen your face and I have seen the Father and you are good and you are loving and you are kind and I trust you. Yahweh, Elohim. In Jesus, we see his face. I just want that to sink in this morning, that he is not unknowable, that he is not unseeable, that he lived a real life, that he died a real death, that we might come home, that we might see the face of the Father. And I'm here to tell all of us and remind myself and tell all of us that the world is desperate to see Yahweh. The world is desperate to know hope. The world is desperate to know truth. And we have all of it. And so my hope is that we would walk away from here so in love with him, so in love with the fact that he came to reveal the Father to us in this way that we would say, yes, Abba, Father, you who have adopted us into your family. Oh my goodness, I can't not live like you were here in this with me. And when we fall, we say, Papa, I'm sorry. This has been a journey for my own soul of relating to God as Father, of learning what it means to be a son and for all of you who are daughters to be a daughter. And I believe it's the journey that he's probably going to have me on for the rest of my life of learning what it means to be first a son before I get to be a husband, before I get to be a father, before I get to be a pastor or anything else, that I am first loved by Yahweh Elohim who sent his son that I might come home. So that is my hope and my prayer for us is that we journey, is as we journey over the course of this summer that we would see the Father, that we would see Yahweh, that we would see Jehovah, and all of his names and all that we do and all that we say and all that we study about him, that we would see him and fall more in love with him on a weekly basis and that we would worship him fully as he is. Amen? All right, let's pray. Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Auburn Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more information about our church, or ways that you can partner with us in our mission. Go to graceauburn.church. We hope to see you soon and that you have a great week.